pick that up for me, will you, darling? I can't possibly bend. Hello, Michelle. Hi. Oh, welcome, 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 welcome to you. Welcome to me. Welcome to this podcast. There you go. There's a, there's a jingle that won't get stuck in your head. A lot of people are writing in Michelle. By the way, that's Michelle. Hi, I'm Michelle, and that's Geordie. Hi, I'm Geordie. We are a podcast. Yes, we are a podcast. We are eavesdropping the podcast, and you guys. Are eavesdropping on us. You're eavesdroppers. And you're welcome to do so. Please do so with impunity. What does that even mean? I don't know. It sounds very legal, doesn't it? Impunity. Mm. I was going to say, drop it like it's hot. I think that's more our drop style. It. Drop it like it's hot. Now, Michelle and I have this wonderful chit-chatty comedy stroke horrible story <laughs> podcast Every week, that's right. It's a week of your t- a day, a week of your time, fifty minutes to an hour a week of your time, plus more if you're a patron. Good luck to you. What I wanted to say, Michelle, I've gone right off track. My mind is a muddle right now. What I wanted to say was a lot of people have been writing in, not complaining, but explaining about the earworm of our outro. Oh, are they are they happy? Not happy? Well. Some are happy. They click off before the song comes in, don't they? No, I think they, for some reason, they don't realise they can't do that. I don't know why they subject themselves each week to the same old song. I mean, I love the song. It makes me feel happy. I had one friend say to me that she couldn't stop singing it and she was happily dancing around. That's Charlene, happy Charlene, dancing around. But then we've got listener Ray, who he's concerned that we're portraying him slightly as some kind of fact Nazi. (laughs) His words. (laughs) But actually, when he's writing these things to me, it's all done in great jest and hilarity. But it's my delivery. I've told him it's my delivery. I'm doing it on purpose, Ray, because it's funnier. It's funnier (laughs) to make you sound like a fat Nazi. Anywho, he sent me a whole text saying, eavesdropping, 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 eavesdropping all day long, eavesdropping that fucking song. (laughs) That's how he gets through it. That fucking song, drop it like it's hot. (laughs) (laughs) Ray's been in the music biz. He knows his stuff. He has, actually. He is quite a very interesting person to know when you like music. He's a sound man. He's a sound Nazi, by the sounds of it. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I thought you were going to say. He's a sound Nazi. No, no. He's very relaxed, really. He's a factoid Nazi and he calls me the little bitch. We all call you that now, Michelle. I know. He started a trend. Andreas, he also has said that last eavesdropping song, eavesdropping, gets in his head. He can't handle it. When does he hear it if he doesn't listen to the episodes? Well, I listen. Oh, out loud? Sometimes, and he's in the other room <laughs> listening. I have to get him to listen any way I possibly can. He's just shoving it in his face, in his ears. Well, you know, he hears it before it goes live, people. He gets the scoop. So, Michelle, moving on. It's 2 p.m. in the afternoon, or beyond that, actually. It's coming up to 3, my time, your time. It's an hour ahead because you're in mainland Europe. Why are you still (laughs) wearing your fucking dressing gown? Do you know what? It's because it was snowing outside and I wanted to grab something. But a lot of my clothes, Geordie... They don't fit? They are Gore-Tex. Oh, you bitch. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't know why I said that. That was mean. Women shouldn't shame other women. That was so bad of me. 
so bad. I'm not scared to say I have put on a few pounds. It's the winter pounds. What are you going to do? Love every part of yourself, Michelle, because there's there's so much more to love now. It's fantastic. Thank you very much for that. I really love how you're well, I meant fat was, shaming me. No, I'm not fat shaming. What I meant to say, if you've put on a few pounds, love those few pounds. Those pounds obviously arrived through doing something you love. Joy. Joy. Well, eating. Yes. Just eating and drinking. Eating. Drinking that champagne. Uh, what I was going to say is I went to grab some clothing and, of course, you know, a lot of my clothing is scratchy. Vortex. Oh. Down jackets. They make noise. So do you know what? I put this lovely uh, chenille robe on for a little bit of comfort, a little bit of warmth, and there's no sound. does not make sound. That's your sound-free jacket, the only one. That's your recording yeah. coat. I do love it. I get inspired People love it. People love when I'm in the robe. I think it does something to me. I feel a little bit, what is it, Playboy, Playboy oh. Mansion Man? Mm. What's his name? Hugh Hefner. Hugh Hef. I feel a little bit Hugh Hef in this. I feel, not really, but, you know, I just You I really want to feel like Hugh Hefner? I don't know if he's such a great role model. No, he's not. But you know what? He's a man of leisure and an entrepreneur. He's dead, darling. That's how leisurely he is. <laughs> yes, he is dead. I thought perhaps you didn't realise. No, I mean, I did I did know he was dead. Although, to be fair, a lot of people pass me by. Yes, I, I realise that. You're living in your own little world. Well, aren't we all? Aren't we all? And I like it. Your version of the world is the right one. Trojan true. Trojan true. So, Michelle, what's new? What can you tell me? Nothing. I've got nothing to tell you. Nothing is the best. I will say, Geordie, I'm not sure if you've been onto the old uh, YouTube. Sometimes. The YouTube. Sometimes. I do, lately. Yes, I do sometimes go on there to do my Pilates. Hmm. Oh, I see. I actually met our channel, Eavesdropping, oh. the YouTube channel, where we pop all of our YouTube vids on. Well, do you know what? It's the craziest thing. I never know when one of our vids is going to get more views than others. It's a, It seems like it's a potluck. But... You know, there was one recently where uh, it racked up the views in the first couple of days. The title is Your Postman a Killer. People are searching for that. Could your postman be a killer? Oh, people want to know. Spying their postie and thinking, hmm, you know everything about me. I know nothing about you. Do you think that Dan could be a killer? Don't say a that. I was quite surprised by how many people are obviously searching. Could my postman be a killer? Yes. Interesting. Is it because of the hashtag that you put up there? No, because it was one of the trailers. I mean, obviously, the, the dancing videos always get some good views. But, you know, people, honestly, any view you want to give us on YouTube, it helps us. Anytime you want to uh, like, share, subscribe, that helps people find us. That's right. That... Recommend, recommend, recommend. Word of mouth. That's always nice. You know, head on over to the YouTube channel if you have not been there yet got some goodies. Michelle, darling, that's the second time today I've called you darling. Darling, darling. Why am I doing that? It's very Australian. No, I feel like it's like because I'm granny from Monaco or something. Darling, get that for me. Get that for me. Pick that up for me, will you, darling? I can't possibly bend. Oh, do you know what? I know a lot of Aussies who say darling. Oh, hi, darling. How are you going, darling? It's oh, usually my... just doll, isn't it? Doll. 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 Yeah, can I doll? Well, we're not talking about darlings today, are we? We're going to go down a bit of a supernatural route, or at least I am. I've got something for you. It's not supernatural. It might be. You have to wait and see. 
Well, we'll all find out shortly. The listeners will already know because it will say it in the title, won't it? (laughs) It certainly will. You know where I usually go for my information for all of our supernatural stories? I tend to stop first at the Fortean Times. Yes, I've never actually looked at it. I've never used it as a a source of reference and yet it's your go-to. It's my go-to. And actually, this month, the front Mm. cover is the... Lovely Danny Robbins, who is going to be live at my local theatre at the end of the year, and I really want us to go. Let's go. Danny Robbins, who's got that fabulous podcast. There are other podcasts called Uncanny, and he also wrote that lovely blockbuster uh, West End hit, stage hit that was starring Lily Allen called 222, A Ghost Story. He's all about the ghosts, but he's also quite sceptical. Oh, a bit like you bit like me, likes to look at both sides, but he also likes to titivate and titillate. Titivate? Maybe not that, but definitely titillate the listeners with all of the the coincidences and the spookiness and all this kind of thing. Anyway, he's on the front cover about the farm in Wales that I spoke about. Hail Fanag. Hail Fanag. Hail Fanag, yes, of course. The haunted farm in Wales that we spoke about quite a few episodes ago now. I think it was actually sometime in December or January or earlier. I don't know. No, earlier, earlier than that. Go back, listeners, go back and find them. This is a fantastic story. I'll show note the shit out of that. I'll put a link. Well, this has nothing to do with that today. The only link is that I found this story on a front cover of the Fortean Times. Michelle, I'm going to tell you about the Mothman. Have you ever heard of that before? Mothman? No. (laughs) I know you had a moth infestation in your cupboard. I did. They're gone now, yes. although there are still a few of those sticky pads left up with lots mm. of dead moths on, and I'm thinking <laughs> I might take those down now. <laughs> Don't need that as a reminder in my flower cupboard. Mothman Prophecies, that was a film. Did you hear of that one starring Richard Geary? No, who's Richard Geary? Well, we'll go back Gear. to that. Richard Gear. yeah. <laughs> it's how my mother pronounces his name, that Richard Geary. <laughs> no, that one passed me by, I'm, I have to say. Did not okay. see that blockbuster. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it was a blockbuster. But let me tell you what I know about the Mothman. It's held the public's fascination since 1966. And apparently it's a creature that's kind of man and moth. Let's find out a bit about it. It was it just sounds ridiculous. <laughs> part man, part moth. You can't get scared by that. <laughs> Well, just you wait, Michelle. You might find the fear of God gets into you by the end of this story because it's quite frightening. Put the willies up me. I might put the willies right up you. Now, 1966, in a paper in West Virginia, there was this headline. Couples see man-sized bird, dot, 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 creature, dot, 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 something, exclamation mark. My favourite kind of headline. It was the account of two young couples, that's four people all together, probably equally um, split with the sex, so two boys, two girls. I'm guessing it was 1966. Two couples who informed police that something had chased them near a place called Point Pleasant, sorry about the plosives, in West Virginia. This couple said they saw a man-like creature, now here's where it comes into moth territory, about two metres, six to seven feet. That's not moth territory. Sorry, I misled you. (laughs) Let me start that again. They said they saw a man-like creature about two metres tall, which is about six to seven feet, 
much taller than a regular man, with a wingspan of three metres, which is 10 feet. A wingspan? There's your moth. Yeah, but that also just sounds crazy. Yeah. A creature, really bloody tall. Would you think it was an angel? Well, you know, I was just thinking angel of the north. I was thinking um, all those children who run around with the fairy wings. But they're not. It's not a huge. Oh, I see. You know, you can put those fairy wings on. The elasticated ones, yes. Yes, but it's not a giant wingspan at all. What you've just described is fucking massive. Well, Angel of the North has a massive wingspan, which is a statue in the north by, Mm. who's that by? Is it Anthony Gormley? No. I think it is Anthony Gormley. I probably would have thought on first glance that that was an angel. I don't know why they've gone straight to moth, but let's hear what followed. They said to the paper and the police that this creature followed them gliding over their car and then when they shone lights at it, they saw red eyes shining back. You've talked about this before. I have. I shine. I shine. But that's when we were talking about... Cats in the headlights. Cat. No, we were talking about Bigfoot and Yowies. And I shine. Yes, but it was it Yowie? Yes. Was it something It was else? Yowies. Yeah. Yep. Go back, listeners. Go back and listen. So, Or was it the Aussie one? Yeah, the Yowie. That's a that's an Is Australian that that's an Australian Bigfoot, yeah. Yowie. Oh, okay, all right. So a few days before this sighting, grave diggers also in West Virginia reported seeing a similar creature in the trees above them. So these sightings, Michelle, just kept carrying on in the same location of West Virginia for thirteen months. What? I know. I thought you were gonna say thirteen days nope. and I thought mm. That's more than a year. Okay. That, that certainly is. It's one month more than a year, Geordie. <laughs> it's like I've just worked that out, just done my maths in my head. And I figured it out, tot, tot, tot. Yes, that's more than a more year. More than a year. <laughs> then, in December 1967, a tragedy occurred. There was a bridge called Silver Bridge, which had been built 40 years before. And it collapsed in 20 seconds, sending 32 cars and other vehicles into the river below and killing 46 people. It was appalling, an appalling disaster. A government investigation into the Silver Bridge collapse said that it was because of a fault in the infrastructure of the bridge itself. But due Mm. to the incredible amount of sightings of that Mothman beforehand and the fact that they completely stopped In the aftermath of this tragedy, the Mothman became linked to terrible disasters from now on, whether it be the cause, the harbinger of doom, or a warning beacon. Hence, the Mothman prophecies, that film with Richard Geary. So that's interesting because I was struggling there to make the connection between the bridge and the Mothman. I was like, so what's going on? But now I realise people have joined some maybe imaginary dots yeah. between... Silver bridges in the area as well that all these sightings mm-hmm. were seen. So when that happened, there had been Mothman sightings for 13 months before. Suddenly they stopped yep. after this awful tragedy. Well, he couldn't get over the fucking bridge. That's why. Uh, he's got wings, Michelle. He can get anywhere he likes. Oh, that's true. All right, all right. So going back to this Silver Bridge collapse and what people were saying about it. Well, the truth is the locals had been complaining about this structure for years. So it might not necessarily have been the Mothman bringing the tragedy to happen. One survivor called Ben Cedar recalled he was worried about the bridge every time that he was crossing over it. He said, if you got stuck in the middle of that bridge, it would wave back and forth, back and forth. 
I would not be driving over that fucking bridge. No, I neither would you. I. That reminds me of the bridge in London that they built, the Millennium Bridge, which Millennium was always bridge, sway. It still yeah. sways. And actually, Michelle, I had a situation like this occur yesterday in my car with my children. What? The husband forgot to put petrol in the car and it showed as having still petrol in the car. So I drove off and on the motorway ran out of petrol. No. It was oh so frightening. God. I had to pull into the hard shoulder and yep. I was freaking out. The kids were beside them. Well, one was. The other one was on his Playboy, I call it. It's not a Playboy. What is it? A Game Boy. <laughs> one was on his Game Boy. The other one was crying and screaming, much like her mother. And I called the AA, which is the recovery people, to come and give me a tow mm. to the next petrol station. Kindly, they did. I was very embarrassed. But it was really frightening because every time a car went past, my whole car would sway and wobble yep. back and forth we were told to get out of the car actually and stand behind the barrier so I was standing there Ooh. freaking out that a car would smash into mine and all sorts of catastrophes were going through my head at the time look it's really dangerous it's they told you the right information to get out of the car because yeah. people you know people do all sorts of stupid things and they're not expecting a stationary car on the motorway but I'm glad it all worked out for you because scary stuff I know it was scary stuff. So that bridge, right? So it wasn't necessarily the Mothman, but the problem was that these sightings had preempted it and then they stopped. But then years and years later in Chicago in 2011, locals say that they saw another creature that was very similar to the Mothman flying about. So what, 50 odd years later? 50 odd years later, exactly. Just going back to that first incident where there was loads and loads of sightings in West Virginia and then the bridge collapsed it was awful there was that film in the interim between the second sightings and the first sightings and that came out in 2002 that film I keep talking about with Richard Geary I haven't seen it it also starred Laura Linney and that is how you pronounce her name not Richard Gere and she's great she was fantastic in um, Ozarks right I haven't seen that but it's based on a book that was published in 1975 by a parapsychologist and Fortean author. Not Fortean times, but Fortean means it's based on the writings of a parapsychologist or a kind of guy interested in the other side of things Super that you don't right. see, called Charles Fort. Anyway, this author was called John Keel, if you want to look him up. Let's fast forward to 2011 in Chicago, where suddenly locals are seeing this weird-looking creature flying about, tall, big windspan, red eyes, but the media didn't take it too seriously, despite one witness claiming to have seen this human-like figure perched at the top of the Willis Tower in broad daylight, not nighttime, broad daylight. The witness then saw the creature jump off and fly away. Now, that Willis Tower is the 12th tallest building in the world, 110 stories tall, and it's the highest public viewing area in the United States. We're talking about Chicago, okay. Chi-Town, the one with all those great big tall buildings, mm -hmm. famous for it. How could a person actually see a human-like creature jumping from an 110th story and no one else saw the aftermath of that if it was a person? The United States wasn't the only place that all of these unusual sightings were occurring. Let's go to Chernobyl in the Ukraine, what? 1986. That nuclear power plant reactor that uh, had a fail and it caused an explosion that killed 30 people in the first few months, followed by a radiation no-go zone of 2,600 kilometres, which is 1,000 or so miles, and caused deadly repercussions across Ukraine and Europe. 
We all know about that. We do, but wasn't that a no-go zone for like 20-odd years? It still is. You can apparently go visit it. Can you? Yeah. It's under a great big bubble, isn't it? I don't know. Interesting. Google that. (laughs) A few days before this hideous disaster, several of the workers in the control room of the nuclear power plant claimed to have seen a creature they dubbed the Blackbird of Chernobyl. Oh, like the Blackbird of Death. Forewarning. What's that? Well, I'm just saying it's a blackbird of death forewarning. Oh, I, th- I see. The way you said it made it sound like something that it was, a thing? was famous. No, <laughs> yeah. uh, no, it's just my delivery. Apparently, the description of this blackbird of, of Chernobyl, or blackbird of death as you like to call it, is very, very similar to that of the Mothman. And it's said that those who saw the creature were then plagued by nightmares and threatening phone calls, which is what happened in the film of the Mothman prophecies. But is that just one of those creepypastas? You know, those stories that people make up, kind of like modern day urban myths? Because then it became a video game in 2021. What? Okay, so people are making moolah off the back of Mothman. To be honest, when I read that, I really did think that's reaching. I mean, Mm. it was an awful disaster. And most of the people who were directly involved died immediately, if not, you know, soon after. But I found some more information on news.com.au from Australia. Well done, Aussies. In Australia, they are well done because they have the only archaeologist who have ever have worked at Chernobyl. His name is Robert Maxwell. And he's not from that Maxwell family. He's from Sydney. And he completed two field excursions at the exclusion zone in 2010 and 2012. Okay. So this guy knows a ton about Chernobyl. And he told news.com.au that the legend of the Blackbird of Chernobyl was something that he had even heard about when he was in the exclusion zone. Mm-hmm. Mind you, that was in the 2010 and 2012. So internet may be responsible <laughs> for spreading some words about. Oh, you are such a sceptic. Well, it just wasn't in the direct aftermath. You know, It wasn't like yeah. witness statements from then. Things get legendized in the time between. So anyway, he said, the legend states that in the days leading up to April 26, 1986, that a supernatural creature was sighted in the sky over Chernobyl by many of the men in the control room. They also claim to have seen this terrifying creature just before the explosion. Now it's become one of those fables that's difficult to track because it relies on the accounts of people who died due to radioactive contamination. Exactly what I just said, Michelle. (laughs) The blackbird has also become one of those fairly safe legends where if you try to look for proof, it might not be available because the workers are dead or maybe the sightings were never officially recorded. He did go on to say... The stories persist, even to this day. He then goes on to say, the second account I've heard of this story comes from 2007, which says that people in and around the power plant began to experience a series of strange events revolving around sightings of a mysterious creature, also described as a large, dark and mutated creature with large wings and piercing red eyes. Always the red eyes. It is. Do you wonder if the radiation has anything to do with this? But that's pre-radiation. It's before. Okay. They're saying it happened before the explosion. Okay. Yeah. People affected by the phenomena also experienced nightmares and had first-hand encounters with this winged beast. But they're all dead, so they can't actually come out and tell us about it. Well, he goes on to say they had reported it to supervisors, but nothing could have been done, even if they wanted to, because the disaster then struck. 
Okay. So that's what he's saying was happening in the run-up to the explosion. Yeah. Reactor number four of the nuclear power plant exploded on April 26, and two days later, the entire city of Pripyat was evacuated. It was several years later after that that the stories of the Blackbird began to spread. I mean, it was dark times. Dark times, Michelle. Horrific. Just watching that TV show, Chernobyl. Did you ever watch it? No, I didn't in the end. I never watched it. You were quite moved by it. So... Going back to Mothman and his prophecies, other disasters tenuously linked to the Mothman sightings were the Mexican swine flu outbreak of 2009. So apparently there were loads of sightings before that happened. And then the 2011 nuclear disaster in Fukushima, Japan. Oh. But again, is that just legend, you know, let's just weave that into all those other disasters? Yeah, I wonder if it is sort of after the fact kind of... Oh, yeah. did we see a Mothman? Maybe we should, I don't know, someone just taking the piss talking about Mothman. Well, it could be, but still, people took it seriously enough that it's commemorated in Point Pleasant, where it all started with a historical museum. And also, there's a 12 foot tall chrome polished statue, complete with massive steel wings and red eyes. And they also have the Mothman Festival, which takes place annually for many, many years. And I'm sure it's probably only 40 bucks a ticket to get into that museum <laughs> and double that to go to the festival. And what else have they got to draw people in apart from a bridge collapse that's going to make, you know, the tourists flock, I suppose. And that's just us being cynical, though, Michelle. I am cynical because I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure about this. Do you have, have you seen any pictorial evidence of Mothman. Not of the actual Mothman, but I've seen the statue. That is real. That's existing. Yeah. But there are theories that suggest that the creation of this Mothman was the work of one very committed prankster who went as far to hide in an abandoned World War II munitions plant where some of the sightings occurred. So I guess he was kind of like creating these sightings himself. Well, he was putting on some wings and walking around on stilts or something. I don't know. Once you create that fear in someone's brain, they'll see it. If they want to see it, they'll see it. Yeah. I found a tweet and it was after a Halloween event where a mothman appeared to be at a coffee shop. <laughs> Ordering a mocha latte. <laughs> a mocha latte. So this resident in Chicago said, Chicago, the mothman is real. And I know because I yelled, are you the mothman? From across the street to this coffee shop where he was sitting. And he yelled back, yes. And then disappeared into the night. And that's your (laughs) Mothman story. (laughs) I'm sorry, it's a bit of a letdown. But, you know, it's out there. People talk about it. They made a bloody film of it, for God's sake. There's the book. It's all there to be indulged in. But to be honest, I say it very lightly that I don't believe in it. But that's because I've never seen a winged beast with red eyes. No, I mean, me either. But the fact that he's like... At a, at a coffee shop with a cappuccino. I mean, I don't well, know. Well, he was dressed up. It was Halloween. Yes, I know. But that's the perfect time for the real Mothman to yes. walk unnoticed. Amongst so you us. never know. You never exactly. know. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for that great story. Pleasure. <laughs> Chernobyl and you're weaving it all together. Ooh. I looked up in the sky. And I just thought, I don't know what that is, but I know what I saw. Don't tell me it was a weather balloon. Don't tell me it was some kind of wolf. It wasn't. I know. I know what I saw. Hit me. Okay, so I knew that you were 
looking into some kind of folkloric thing. So I started to look at folkloric creatures this week. Yes. I actually got sidetracked by something else completely different. So Apologies, no connection. This is not about a mythical creature, but it is about something else. It might be a little supernatural something else. And it all happened on the night of December 29, 1980 in Texas. Oh, 1980. What a year. What a year. What were you wearing? Sweatbands. What was I wearing? <laughs> Sweatbands uh, on your wrist, on your head. Maybe. I think I was wearing probably... Leg warmers. Terry toweling shorts. Because yep. remember, it's December, so Australian summer. Are we in Australia? No, we're in Texas. No. Okay. But it's still warm in Texas. Yeah, I hope so. Do you remember those shorts? Terry toweling. Yes, I do. And you drawstring up the side. I had some for years, like as a grown-up. In fact, I've got some Terry Towling shorts oh. without the drawstring, which I'm going to wear this coming summer. And I used to have Terry Towling kind of strapless, at that age, 10 I would have been, strapless play suit. <gasps> yes. Yep. Yeah, we all had them. I mean, I particularly like these shorts because your mum would say, oh, yep, yeah, all right, you got your shorts on, great stuff. And then you'd go out and you'd hoik them right up so they were that real kind of 80s. Did she say, can I just check to see if you've got your shorts on, Michelle? Yes, you do. Great, you can leave the house now. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not shorts, Michelle. Yes, it's Terry Towling, but it's a robe, not shorts. Go back and get changed. Do you remember at school you'd also be able to um, kind of identify yourself with a particular tribe by the way you would do your socks? No rolling down the socks so they sort of form a bit of a donut because you'd roll them right down. Oh, I hate that. All the cool girls had the donut. Cool girls? That's not a cool look, the donut. No, I don't remember. It was in my school. Any kind of like affiliation with cool. It was just a phase. <laughs> That's the 80s. 80s. But we're going to okay. December 29, right. 1980, Texas. So Betty Cash, she was 52 at the time. And her mate, Vicky Landrum, who was 60, they went out for their regular Monday night game of bingo. 22, two little ducks. Quack, quack. Two fat ladies. Jen loved the bingo. Legs 11. Yeah. Jen loved a bingo and, and a meat raffle. A meat raffle, did you say? <laughs> yeah, Jen loved a meat raffle. <laughs> did she yeah. often come home with a big tray of meat? She did. Seriously, Jen had... She was lucky. Wow. She had the lucky start. Yeah, yeah. She was laden with meat. <laughs> she, yes. She loved a meat tray, styrofoam, with the meat that still had the the pink branding on the fat. Betty and Vicky, they went out for bingo with Vicky's seven-year-old oh. grandson, Colby. But what Betty and Vicky didn't know was that because it was between Christmas and New Year, Bingo was cancelled. What a letdown. So the three of them decide, yeah, I know. Can you imagine? They would have had their little dobbers and they decided instead of wasting the night, they'd grab some dinner before heading home. So they had a bite to eat and then they headed back to Dayton in Texas, which is a, a small town on the outskirts of Houston. Now, Betty was driving and she chose this route that took her down State Road 1485, which by all accounts is a tree-lined, two-lane road known to be, you know, fairly secluded with not a lot of traffic that also cut through a pine forest. And 
Betty knew this road well. She drove down this road a lot. So it was no big deal for her to take this route. And because it was such a familiar route for Betty and Vicky, they were just chit-chatting away in the car, not paying you know attention to anything much, until from the back seat, seven-year-old Colby noticed something in the sky. And right above the treetops of the pine forest, Colby could see this bright light and he interrupted the chat between Betty and Vicky to mm. point it out. And look, his grandmother, Vicky, didn't really take much notice of it. And they were 35 miles from Houston International Airport. So Vicky just assumed it was a, a passenger jet coming right. in. Yeah, what, reflecting the sun or something. Well, there, it was night time. So wasn't really... So just with the lights on. Yeah. You know, it, she said, yes, it was a little low. But it didn't really strike her as anything out of the ordinary, except as they got closer to what they thought was a plane, they realised that ain't no plane. Really? Yes. In fact, they started to freak out because (gasps) what they were looking at did not look like any kind of aircraft they'd ever seen before. And it was lighting up the sky. And more than that, as Betty drove closer to this thing, she realised It was floating just metres above the road. And it was a grey, dull metal that was glowing with a reddish aura, a little bit like those eyes and the Mothman. Mm. And at this point, Vicky started to freak out and she told Betty to stop the car. Oh, my God. Which I think is fucking brave because... Don't stop. No. Turn around and go away the other way. Yeah, just keep fucking driving. But they didn't. And I and look, I don't know if I would have stopped because this object, which just like we talked about a few yeah. weeks ago with the Calvine photo yeah. in Scotland, it was diamond shaped oh. with four points, except the point at the top and the two points at the side were both rounded huh. and the one at the bottom was pointy. Right. I see what you mean. Yes. Yep. Even scarier, this thing had intermittent bursts of flame flying out of the bottom of it and it was generating a crazy amount of heat which made the inside of their car feel like an oven oh no i read this one account where after betty had stopped the car and before the women got out they got out vicky who was kind of freaking out yeah well one of them did betty got out the thing is that Vicky was freaking out and she was kind of like trying to steady her nerves and steady herself. So she put her hands mm. on the dashboard just to kind of steady her nerves a bit. And later that night, after this whole yeah. shit had gone down, which I'll tell you about, Betty discovered on the dashboard that the vinyl had been so okay. heated and was so soft. Vicky's hand prints and fingerprints were left impressions in that dashboard. Oh, my God. That's how fucking hot it was inside that car. And that is some scary shit right there. But there's more, Geordie. There's more. Gosh. Like I said, Betty got out of the car. And Vicky decided, actually, she was going to stay in the car to try and calm down her seven-year-old grandson, Colby. Poor guy. Poor Who was, yeah, according to reports that I read, he was terrified. I bet. I'm terrified listening to it. Yeah, he's seven years old. He's like, doesn't know what the fuck's going on. And and Betty said, and these are her words, at the bottom of this thing, 
flames were shooting out. The heat was tremendous. It just felt like I was burning from the inside out. I was horrified. And the only thing I was thinking was, are we all going to get out of here alive? Oh, God. So they were fucking scared. And look, according to an interview Betty gave to um, some Air Force officials uh, the following year in 81, Betty says she was looking up at the UFO for several minutes before both the light and the heat became just way too intense for her. Mm -hmm. And she realised she needed to get the hell away from this hovering craft. So she went back to the car and tried to open the door, but the handle was was too hot to open. So she used her leather jacket over her hand to try and open the car door. And when she finally got in and tried to start the car to get away... Wouldn't start, Geordie. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, wouldn't start. And she was panicking by this stage. It's like me on the hard shoulder yesterday. Yeah, really. Like it's, it's, it's a fear that kind of, I think, hits you right in the chest, you know. And she was saying that she was panicking because the UFO was still hovering and spraying this kind of reddish-yellow flames everywhere. Like they, they were just shooting God. out of the bottom. And in fact... According to an interview Vicky gave to the Houston Chronicle in September 1981, she says a UFO was as tall as a water tower. And I think that's like one of those American water towers. So Mm. really fucking huge. Yeah. It was dull, grey, metallic colour. And it made a roaring sound like a flamethrower. And then high-pitched beeps. And that it had a really flammable smell like lighter fluid. That's awful. Yeah. That is so horrifying. I'm sorry. I'm abs- I've got the whole thing in my mind and I'm, I feel cold with fear. Heebie-jeebies, I tell you. And then, look, both Betty and Vicky, then as she was trying to get away, they heard the roar of helicopters <gasps> as 23, 23. Yes. T- twin rotor CH-47 Chinook military transport choppers yep. arrived on the scene. 23 of them that's not fucking like calvine (laughs) you know there's one yeah well i think there were more but one that was in the photo but anyway look at this point the ufo started to ascend and it took off with the choppers surrounding it in a tight formation kind of like they were escorting this ufo Mm, away interesting and it was only as the UFO and the choppers were off in the distance that Betty miraculously started her car. Just started up. Ah. Yep. It was interfering with the... I uh, think so. Electromagnetic fields. Yeah, and look, you know, this is a car of the 80s. Like, I don't know. Like, dodgy ignitions were... were a plenty back then. But thing is, both Betty and Vicky say that as they were driving home, they kept seeing glimpses of this UFO and the helicopters through the trees. So it wasn't just sort of a one and done. Like they kept seeing them. And look, I can't even imagine what Betty and Vicky and this little poor seven-year-old Colby were feeling by the time they got home. I mean, freaked out and scared, I would say. But around six hours after they'd seen the UFO, all three of them felt really sick with nausea. They started... That's the radiation. Yep. Vomiting and diarrhea. Yep. You got it. Oh, no. Worse than that, their skin felt like it was sunburnt 
and that's the radiation. Yeah, blisters and sores did start like popping up oh, on their skin. No. And Betty, who'd actually gotten out of the car, she had way more exposure to the UFO and she suffered the worst. She didn't go to the emergency room because she was scared. You know, there was nothing oh on the telly, nothing on the radio about what they'd seen. So she thought, oh, fuck, I'm just going to try and sleep this off and see how I feel in the morning. Except when she woke up, big chunks of her hair <gasps> on the pillow. Yep. Blisters all over her face. Oh, It was getting like worse. Oh, my God. So she was like, fuck it, I have to go to the hospital. Yeah. And she did. She was hospitalized for a month in an Sheesh. isolated room that was oh marked God. with a hazardous material symbol on her door. This is crazy. Yep. And according to her doctor, Brian McClelland, he says what she was suffering from, as you said, was classic radiation exposure. Yep. But was it? Or was it a UFO? Was it a government experiment gone wrong? You know, I think that. Yep. Were Betty and Vicky and Colby just in the wrong place at the wrong time? And yeah. look, for months after this incident, Colby was traumatized by the whole thing. Oh, poor little guy. I know, I know. And he was freaked out every time, you know, he heard a helicopter. So mm. in April of 81, so just a few months later, Vicky took Colby to see this public exhibition of CH-47 Chinooks that just happened to be on in kind of yeah. a bid to try and get him over his fear of these helicopters. And, yeah. you know, they were lining up and, you know, waiting in line to board this exhibition chopper and, you know, have a look around the cockpit and whatever. And Vicky and another woman in the line overheard the helicopter pilot tell another person in the line who was right at the front he'd recently been on a mission to check on a UFO that was in trouble near Huffman in Texas. Right. And when Vicky went up to him, when she got to the front of the line and said, listen, I was one of those people and I was injured by the UFO, the pilot immediately shut the fuck up and refused to speak right. to her. And UFO investigators from, I, I'd never heard of this, but a, a board called Vehicle Internal Systems Investigative Team apparently managed to track down this pilot and he denied ever saying it. And he said he never participated in any operation in East Texas on the night of December 29, 1980. But in a Pentagon report by a guy called Lieutenant Colonel George Saran, who I think mm. we have mentioned him before in yeah. things, yes. In this report, the pilot apparently did admit that he was prohibited from talking about it or adding more information wow. because of national security. National security. What the actual fuck is well, going on? Well, when you hear about it being a UFO, I always used to think immediately alien, but actually UFO just means unidentified flying object, doesn't yep. it? In this case especially. Mm. Sounds to me like, yeah, it sounds to me like a beached whale. Like something has gotten into trouble and then the military have come down in their Chinooks to escort it from the premises. But I think it's probably something man-made. You're not the only one. And, you know, look, people were talking about this with um, the Calvine too. That was yeah. it, you know, was it something the military was trying to cover up? Was it the, what was it, Aurora? The, the secret yes, spy Aurora. plane. So who knows? 
But, you know, Betty and Vicky did really feel that there was something going on with what had happened to them that was military-based. And that was because of the choppers. So they tried getting in touch with a few government agencies, but they hit a dead end. No one would talk to them. So Betty then got in touch with NASA and they eventually connected her with a NASA aerospace engineer called John Schulzler. I don't know if that's how you say his name. But he also happened to be a bit of a UFO researcher, investigator Mm. nerd. And to be fair, initially he was pretty sceptical about this whole story. But once he met Betty and Vicky, he changed his mind because he could see that they were traumatised and he really felt that there was more to this story. So he Mm. decided to do a bit of digging himself. And he went to the actual spot where the UFO was seen by Betty and Vicky. And you know what he found? What? A huge area of scorched road. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Thing is, just days after he'd been there, that section of State Road 1485 was repaved. So evidence was gone. Huh. And he wow. And he never took photos. And this is also something that the sceptics are like, why didn't you take any pics, mate? Exactly. It's hard to prove. But it's 1981. You know, it's not camera phones. Maybe he wasn't expecting to see anything. He should have had a camera, but he didn't. But the thing is, he also found a Dayton police officer who saw a load of military helicopters that night. And he said that they all had their ground search landing lights on looking for something. Oh dear, what were they looking for? Well, this UFO that had gone, you know, they were looking for the diamond. And then another guy called Jerry McDonald said he saw a glowing object flying in the sky over Dayton that night as well. So there are a few people who saw something. But circling back to Betty and Vicky and Colby, they all had lingering health problems for decades. Oh. Oh no. Yeah, although the tests on them all came back is inconclusive because no one wanted to admit to anything about what caused those blisters, why was her hair falling out. They weren't well. These the the two ladies weren't well. What about the little boy? Yeah, he apparently suffered from some health issues as well growing up. Mm. But he's been very reluctant to talk about this Mm. for his whole life. He gave one interview And it was very, very brief. He didn't really talk much about it himself or what had happened. But somebody had tracked him down. But poor old Betty, like her health got so bad that she couldn't work anymore and had to retire. Betty's doctor, Brian McClelland, had said in an interview, like probably like 10 or so years later, that he still thinks or thought that it was radiation and that Betty was probably exposed to somewhere between one and two grays of radiation, which is not a lethal dose, but it's enough Mm. to fuck you up. And apparently Betty did develop breast cancer years later. And she said there was no, you know, history of it in the family and she puts Mm. it down to being exposed. That experience. Mm. Yeah. And look, this is kind of creepy because for almost 20 years, Betty's doctor, like I said, Brian McClelland, 
he yeah. tried to get Betty's medical records from her initial hospitalization for that month at Houston Parkway Hospital. He was refused at every point. Wow. He reckons he sent more than 30 requests for those records. Huh. And he was blocked every single time. And he thinks it was military or legal blocking him having access. He's her doctor and they won't release the records. That's insane. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. What are they trying to hide? Exactly. And the thing is that Betty and Vicky weren't rich. They could not afford all these medical bills that were racking up. So they decided we need to go after the military based on the fact that they saw those helicopters. So they contacted Texas senators, Lloyd Benson and John Tower, who suggested they file a claim against Bergstrom Air Force Base, which was the base near the military base closest to where they were. And they had to give depositions of what happened to them that night. And the Air Force basically said, get yourself a lawyer because, you know, if you're going to make a claim against us, you've got to do it now. So they did and they filed a suit against the United States government in 1982. They were asking in this suit against the government for 20 mil in damages. That's a lot in the 80s. It's a lot now. Yeah. It's probably about the same as what they were spending on their health. Yeah. Well, not really, but, you know, it's very expensive. It gets very expensive. Exactly. The health care. They insisted that the military was responsible for their injuries and their ongoing health problems. Well, even if they weren't responsible, at least they knew what was. Yes, because you don't just send 23 Chinooks for no reason. They knew what they were doing. Yeah, of course. But sadly for, for Betty and Vicky, in 1986... A U.S. district court judge dismissed the case due to lack of evidence, mainly Mm. because there was no official record that showed the army had deployed those Chinooks on December 29. And of course there fucking isn't. They're not going to admit to that. There's no there's no paper trail whatsoever. No. So and there were no records of any kind, as you will not be surprised to hear of any aircraft that matched Betty and Vicky's description of that UFO. And look, Betty died in 1998 and I could not find her cause of death. Um, And Vicky died in 2007 after suffering a lot of health problems that she said were caused by the events of that night. So was it a UFO? Was it military shit that's been covered up? Look, over the years, there have been sceptics who say that there are inconsistencies in Betty and Vicky's stories. And because their medical reports were inconclusive and also not available, people have questioned whether they really were exposed to radioactive materials. Other people say the whole thing is a sham and a massive hoax. Because, first of all, there aren't any photos, as I mentioned, of the craft or of the scorched road. And secondly, after viewing some pictures of Betty's injuries after the incident, some doctor, and I actually haven't got his name, but there's a bit of a splash about him on the internet. He's spoken out to the media saying he thinks those burns look self-inflicted. What? I just... Did you see the pictures? No, I haven't. I haven't. But honestly, who's... But who would do that? Who's burning themselves? And then it's been posited that Betty had Munchausen's, uh, which is where you fake an illness. But there's absolutely no evidence for that. 
People saying, oh, she must have had alopecia to have her hair falling out. Huh? You know, all this rubbish. Like Doubters. Okay. Yeah, doubters. I, to yeah. me, it seems a little far-fetched. But I just want to pose this and look at what happened to Betty and Vicky through the lens of Rendlesham. Because on the night of December 26, 1980, three days earlier, yeah. that's when Rendlesham happened. Right. And we know from the episode you did in season yeah. two, right at the end of the year, I think it was episode 52 or 53, because it was like one of the Christmas episodes. Yes. You did this whole thing on Rendlesham where these military personnel at Woodbridge in Suffolk had seen something in the sky and it had landed. And that was actually used at the and time in the woods. In yeah. the woods, exactly. And it was a British airbase, but it was used by the Americans, Americans at the time. Yeah. They think that there was some sort of cover up to do with nuclear technology. Exactly. And the thing is, you know, they saw a triangular thing, didn't they? Floating yeah. like UFO yeah. in, in the in the woods, which left scorch marks. Broken branches. It was tiny though. It was. It was small. It wasn't like this one. But for me, the timing is really weird. Yes, timing is interesting. Rendlesham three days earlier Mm. in 1980. Two different countries, but both US military. Mm -hmm. So are they related? I don't know the answer, Geordie. I'm just And then there was the diamond-shaped Calvine incident that you talked about about three weeks ago. And this shape do sound quite similar as well. Yeah. Even though the Calvine incident was about 1990, was it? 91, 90? Yeah, 94, I believe. 94, so, okay. Yes, because we sang the song. No, 1984. Well, it wasn't 1984. You it got the song it. wrong. I got the song wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I don't know if there's any connections here, but when I came across this story, I just thought, we've just been talking about all of these diamond-shaped triangular things. We've done Rendlesham. And here we've got this story. feels like there's a lot piling up suddenly. And I've been reading stuff in the press as well. Weird claims. National Enquirer, but still, it's out there. <laughs> Daily Daily Mail, the Sun. Daily Star. But still. Yeah, but it's out there. We saw this um, headline the other day saying that extraterrestrials have been, there's a fleet of them that have been watching us for millennia. Oh, but that always, that old story always like comes back around every few yeah. years you see it. They yeah. pull that out. And honestly, I don't think it's that far-fetched. What makes you think we're not being watched? Yeah. We could be being watched. Who mm. knows? I don't know that anyone actually has this information, but I wouldn't be surprised. What they actually said in this article, I didn't read it at all, but <laughs> what it started off by saying was um, that they were actually humans, but from a different time. Time travellers. Okay, interesting. Or dimension. I'm not sure. They didn't go into details because obviously they don't know. Either that or they haven't finished making it up yet. Yeah. Well, look, that's all I got for you on this. And I I don't know, like I said, are they connected? Are they not? But I hadn't heard about this case before. So I thought it was really, really fascinating. And I'm sorry it's got nothing to do with Mothman, but there you have it. Oh, it's fine. Mothman was a bit of a non-starter, really, because I didn't go into great depth. And also because we don't really know if it's real or if it's just a big hoax. But we also don't know that if it's a real or a hoax with, with Betty and Vicky. Like, true. who knows? Who knows? All I know is that this story is out there and 
for the last however many decades it has been a bit of a UFO mystery. So, Well, it's one that hasn't passed me by before. I'm mm. quite excited to hear that one. That's yeah. news to me. Thanks, Michelle. My pleasure. Real life. Real life. True crime. True crime. I think we've come to that time of the podcast where there's not much oh. else to say. Apart from wherever you are and whatever you do, just keep, keep eavesdropping. Dropping, eavesdropping, in case you don't listen to the song. That fucking song. Eavesdropping, 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 eav